Hey everyone, it's Guillaume from Startup Basecamp. Welcome to Tech for Climate podcast. During the show, you will have the opportunity to meet the best climate tech founders, investors, experts from Silicon Valley and around the globe. They will share with you their stories and personal journey in this growing industry, giving you some insights on the ecosystem to hopefully help you to take part in the climate change fight and benefit from the opportunities that it can also represent. The podcast is divided in two small interviews. During the first part, you will get to know our speaker, their perspective on the climate crisis and how climate tech is changing the game. The second part of the talk will be for all members of the community who will learn from the speakers their secret sauce on how to, sharing with you their unique expertise on various topics as fundraising, management, strategy, and so on to help you to become a better leader in your field. Let's go for the show. Hi everyone, in today's episode, we will speak with Sylvain Carl, Senior Director at Second Muse, which is running a global program called Venture for Climate Tech, supporting early stage climate tech founders around the world. Sylvain will share with you his journey as a top Canadian tech investor and the drivers that pushed him to jump into the climate tech ecosystem. You will learn also that Sylvain is a strong believer that money is an incredible lever to change the world, and he hopes to catalyze capital for the challenges of today and for the next decade. Sylvain will also share how they evaluate impact in companies they support and sharing with you the state of impact evaluation in the climate tech industry today. In the second part of the show, Sylvain will share his secret sauce to founders seeking to build venture-backed companies covering the investment decision framework used during his investor career. Sylvain, welcome to the show. Hi, Sylvain. Welcome to the Tech for Climate podcast. Uh, we're super excited and happy to, uh, to have you here with us. So before we start, uh, could you please give us a 30-second uh, introduction about uh, Second Muse and uh, the For Climate Tech program that you are part of? Yes. Hello, everyone. I'm Sylvain Carl. Uh, I'm based in Montreal, uh, but Second Muse is across the world in, in more than 10 cities now. Uh, and we have our For Climate Tech program uh, that runs out of New York. But with the year that we've had last year, it's a pretty global program as most activities are online. So uh, this program was launched in partnership with NYSERDA, the New York State Energy R&D Agency. Uh, so it's funded by, by the New York State. And the goal is really to support and invest in entrepreneurs at the earliest stage, right? So it's an idea stage program. So even pre-accelerator, we could say. Um, and so there's not a lot of programs and funding at this stage. So uh, pretty, uh, pretty happy about uh, the fact that we're able to support entrepreneurs so early in their journey. So let's start by the, by the top. Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, who is Sylvain Carl? I mean, what's your story, your background, and maybe anything specific about you that is not public yet? Um, something that you like, you don't like? Uh, tell us a bit more. Yes, uh, the, to make a long story short, um, last year, pre-COVID, um, 
I made a transition, really a switch to focus more on environmental impact. So I've been an investor now for six years as a partner at Real Ventures, a seed fund uh, in Canada, a tech seed fund. Um, and also a big part of what I love doing is developing ecosystems, right? So, uh, and people talk a lot about ecosystems and, and um, one entrepreneur once told me, um, I didn't understand what an ecosystem was until I spoke to this uh, vice president at this large company. And he summed it up, is this, uh, a, 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 an ecosystem that works well gives you more trust than you should be given or, or accelerates things for you. And he said, uh, it should have taken me like months and months to get to a level to talk to that person in that company, but the right intro from the right person made it happen in a week. And, and so really, um, I like to say uh, we work in tech, but it's a people business, right? Uh, it's, it's all about um, this relational capital or the social trust that you you can put in place. So that's been uh, what I've been doing for a long time in my life. Uh, before uh, being an investor and uh, general manager at an accelerator uh, in 2014 when I joined Real, I worked for a few years at Twitter as a senior developer advocate. And, and the un untold story there is that my previous startup was one of the first companies to use the Twitter APIs. So, so we, were, we were partners with Twitter uh, and I tried to sell my company to, twi to, to Twitter, but uh, they didn't buy it for several <laughs> reasons. Uh, and, and one of the main reasons was that this, uh, not, not, not specifically for Twitter, but, but uh, I realized that as an entrepreneur, co-founder and CTO of a company that was called Medium, we had made a lot of errors in the way we structured our company financially. So we had convertible debts, we had... Uh, uh, a VC with not a lot of expertise in tech, more finance people. So in a way, the, the, I learned by mistake <laughs> in that the mistakes we made in this company were a great foundation to become a better investor <laughs> in the future. I didn't know <laughs> at the time, but it, I still ended up going to work at Twitter. Um, when I started interviewing, there were 300 people at Twitter. It took about six months to go through all the interviews. It was pretty standard at the time. You would meet a lot of people from a lot of departments. Mm -hmm. And when I started to work there six months later, there were 800 people, 2000, summer of 2012. Twitter IPO'd in 2013. So I was able to see what happens. What, what's the tail end of that startup story when you get <laughs> yeah. to the IPO, which was super amazing. Um, and then... Uh, a year after I left, after two years in San Francisco, I had my daughter was born in San Francisco, so, but I wanted to get back closer to home. So I got back to Montreal in 2014 and there were 3,500 people at Twitter at the time. Okay. Uh, so crazy growth, but I, I loved it. It, it was a fantastic experience. It was, it was a great company. Uh, Dick Costello was the CEO at the time. Uh, amazing manager. Like, uh, mm -hmm. the, his ability to communicate to that company that was growing like crazy and fighting fires left and right. This is what happens. Like everything you don't read on TechCrunch. <laughs> yeah. uh, by the way, most of what you read on TechCrunch, some is true, some is not true, but that's, enough, <laughs> that's for another time. Um, but but uh, Twitter was a, a company in the public eye even before being a public company. So, so there was a lot of pressure around the company. And I joined at a time where uh, 
Twitter had made, I'd say some mistakes in, in, but there were some business reasons why they restrained the access to the APIs to developers, which, which I had benefited as, as a mm-hmm. startup before. Uh, and I was joining at the time where it was starting to reopen and re-engage with developers. And so in a way, I was the startup guy that was working with Twitter. And then I become the Twitter guy working with startups. Uh, <laughs> and that was a pretty amazing time. I, I must say um, the people, the developers I got to work with in the open source community also, because there was a lot of them. Um, it was a great time, but it, it, was, it was becoming a large company, right? And I'm an entrepreneur by heart. There were many entrepreneurs inside Twitter, but the, the itch to start new projects and to, to grow from nothing, from zero to one, as some say, um, was too strong. So, and, and I thought about like, what's my next startup? What's gonna be my next company? Uh, and then I realized that the same way that Twitter was a platform that could empower and enable many people to develop on top of it, finance, I never thought of myself, of myself as a finance person, but finance and capital was a way to empower and to get more people to start more companies and to build great things. So, so that lead, led me to working for a fund and for an accelerator. And instead of doing my own stuff, uh, move into a position of supporting others and helping them grow, develop, and 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 scale, uh, or pivot, or <laughs> reinvent themselves if it doesn't work, because that's part of the job too, right? Exactly, and I and I, and I heard recently that uh, one of your little, uh, or at least all the energy that you put to support uh, one of your early stage founders at that time was uh, Saunders, who. Uh, went through, uh, through SPAC uh, to the public market. So uh, congratulations. That's uh, been also Thank a you. achievement. <laughs> That's a pretty amazing ride, right? They, st- they were in, our, in my first cohort of the Accelerator in 2014 uh, mm-hmm. in Foundry Fuel in Montreal. And Francis Davidson uh, at the time uh, had, he come to us, he came to us with this crazy idea, but it was, you know, sometimes it's too good to be true. And we're like, Let's try it. <laughs> Let's yeah. see where you can take this. And he, he's taking it public now. So that's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, so, but what was your, um, I mean, driver to jump into the uh, impact and, and climate tech industry after all of those years as, um, I would say, like a regular tech investors in the, the Canadian ecosystem? Yeah, I think that there was two things. Uh, first, I must give credit to my wife, Yannick. Uh, she's, she's been an activist, uh, filmmaker, uh, and has had nature and the environment at heart, uh, but both in her personal life and professional life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, she took me in the streets to, 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 to manifestation, as we say in French. Yeah. Uh, I was not that type of guy, but I, I, I realized that there's power uh, in that. Um, but it, I, I, I always love nature, right? I, I love camping, canoeing, kayaking, hiking, biking, snowboarding. Uh, so I love to play outside. I love the nature. And uh, uh, I realized that th- this power, this leverage that we have with finance could be applied to social issues and to environmental, the environmental crisis. And, and so I decided to sort of like pivot a little bit uh, and I tried to, I, I tried to find like what's the best way to explore, mm-hmm. and it just happened that um, one of my side projects at the time 
was with uh, the McConnell Foundation, which is a, a pretty large Canadian foundation, uh, with the help of uh, La Maison d'Innovation Sociale, a social innovation hub in Montreal, Second Muse, and at the time Real Venture, where I was, uh, were collaborating on this idea of a future economy lab. So what, are, what is one sector of the economy that is emerging that could benefit from more support? And so we ran a series of workshops. We interviewed the founders. We interviewed funds, fund managers, and really to discover that there was a, a, a challenge in uh, the earliest stage, like the first few hundred thousand dollars uh, are the hardest to get. Um, there weren't at the time that many angels that were looking at green, green tech or climate tech. That, that's two years ago. And, and the more I worked on this, the more I talked to founders, I realized that there was a, a real need and, and that it wouldn't happen within the context of, of Real Ventures. I, I still love my partners there. I'm still part-time as a venture partner at Real. I think they're doing a great job, but they're, they're broad, right? They're, they're, mm -hmm. they're a sector agnostic, so technology transforming all the sectors, all the industries. And I really wanted to focus more on environmental impact as part of the investment thesis, right? Not mm -hmm. just as a possible side benefit or added bonus, but as the core. And so uh, discussing with the team at Second Muse Capital, who that, that's a new division of Second Muse from a few years ago, they've been helping other funds develop their ecosystem strategy. So, so we're partner, uh, the program that we have in New York is one, but mm -hmm. we also have one in Singapore and Southeast Asia where Circulate Partners operate a $100 million plus fund for plastic in the oceans. Mm -hmm. And Second Muse is working alongside them to build the incubation network to, to support entrepreneurs, to develop entrepreneurship in seven countries in Southeast Asia. So, so the Second Muse operates the, the whole uh, ecosystem building activities. So, so that, that was really, I really love the fact that Second Muse understood uh, innovation, impact ecosystem development and as anyone who's been supporting entrepreneurs you get to a point where you realize well we need to fund these projects they, they, mm -hmm. they, 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 there needs to be money that is leveraged that is invested for these projects to really grow and deliver the full impact that they could deliver so mm -hmm. so the more I, I was talking with the team at second muse we we just said let's try it let's let's fundraise let's let's go go in the market and that's what we're doing now we're we're uh, we're in the process of raising a new seed fund uh, called Clio for, uh, in, in, and we call it uh, climate innovation. So it's climate mm -hmm. tech a bit, a bit more broad, a bit more uh, approaching it more broadly it could be process innovation. It doesn't have to be specifically tech, but with my background in AI and big data, of course, it's, it's going to be, let's call it digital intelligence. Uh, yeah. in the sectors that benefit the climate with the ultimate goal of decarbonizing the economy. Like the, that's, 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 that's the core investment thesis is we need to deliver decarbonization results. Mm -hmm. And the, so, the, the strategy is to say like, there's a lot of public commitments for, for, yeah. uh, for uh, being uh, carbon neutral or even carbon negative from, from public organizations, from company, from countries. Uh, we keep hearing them. There's even a carbon tracker. Carbon 180 is running one of those carbon tracker. Like, what are the commitments? And and my 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 belief is that there's after you commit to something, the means to get to your objectives mm -hmm. 
are not all are not all there yet. So so there's more commitment than capacity to deliver the commitments. And for me, that's the investment zone. That's the innovation opportunity. How do we get thousands of companies started to deliver on these goals mm-hmm. uh, in the coming decades? And I think that that would be a good segue to to move to my uh, my my next next question. I'd like to understand a little bit, and you can maybe uh, give us a little bit your overview of the climate tech ecosystem today. Uh, where are we at, uh, and what needs to happen uh, to have the, the climate tech ecosystem being able to to fully support the 2050 uh, net zero goal? And I think you already started to uh, to answer to the to the question. Yeah, I can just carry on. Um, There's, there's, uh, I have, I'm of two minds on this. Um, first, um, one thing I did last year was that I joined a, a boot camp called Terra Do uh, for people who are entering the climate space, right? So, mm-hmm. so, so it's for, for anyone uh, who wants to be looking at climate. And what I really liked about that program is that uh, we, we, we talk with scientists. We, we, we we understood we take it was a several months but it was taking a step back and really understanding that there's complex issues at play there's policy there's the way nature works there's the physics um there's communication there's um So it's not something simple to solve so there's a reason why we haven't progressed as much as we have we should have Uh, and that if technology and innovation can help, but it won't solve everything, right? So, so I'm not a techno solutionist in that sense. I don't believe in the techno utopia. Uh, I think we can do more and that we can progress and that we can invent amazing things, that we can decrease the cost, we can go faster, but it won't solve everything. So, so. Mm-hmm. In, on one side, we, sh- we should be doing it and we need to be doing it. And I'm, I'm really happy to see more and more people getting into climate uh, to work on this. But it can't only be on the mitigation side. We also have to work on the adaptation of society mm-hmm. because we will, like the, the toothpaste is out of the tube. Like we won't, I don't believe we'll completely go back. I think we'll suffer negative consequences uh, in the coming decades. We're already starting to see some. So we need to take a broad perspective and take care both of the planet, but of the people too, right? It, it's it's mm-hmm. Patrick at La Maison d'Innovation Sociale made me realize that uh, social impact and environmental impact are really two sides of the same metal, right? Yeah. Um, if you don't take care of the planet, you'll have huge people issues and people problem like right? it's a society needs a stable environment and and i mean in 2021 we're generally relatively stable there's pockets in the world where there's uh still wars and and uh, and and i don't want to get into that but like i i don't believe there's still a lot more progress for humanity to do. Let's just say it like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that being said, uh, there's less poverty, there's less disease. um, And so we should be, like we have the, 
intellectual capital in the world to solve mm -hmm. the climate issues. Uh, we're starting to see some political will being applied, especially in the US, refreshingly recently, but we need much more. And, and coordinating, uh, since we have one planet and many nations, many countries, uh, that's not an easy setup. That's, that's uh, generally people don't always agree on the way to move forward. And there's inequality in the world, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And so, so all are, of these are complex issues. This is a long-winded answer, but to say that uh, there's a lot to do. I believe that we can do a lot of good in the world mm -hmm. and that mm -hmm. tech is a power for good. Tech is neutral. It depends what you do with it. And if you, you have to be aware of your biases, uh, but it won't be enough, right? So, so on one side, I'm super optimistic about how innovation will help us. On the other side, I'm also pragmatic and realist. And, and I think that um, it's not only about hard science and hard tech. It's mm -hmm. also about education. It's about, I mean, immigration is gonna be more and more a question we need to ask ourselves when the world becomes a place where, where, where some pockets of the world becomes harder to live in. Mm -hmm. This is in front of us. Like, uh, yeah. Honestly, most scientists are pretty pessimists. Um, so what do we do with that if we're realist and pragmatic? Uh, big questions. And, and it, so this is why I'm in this for like the rest of my life. Like the, there's decades of work to do. Yeah. There's decades of work that has, have been done, has been done, uh, but there's decades of work to do. So thank you, thank you so much for sharing this uh, your opinion on that. I think uh, it's uh, very valuable and I, I join you as well. I mean, uh, also we, we jump into that uh, into that, uh, I would say industry, but it's more than an industry. It's a, it's a mission, and uh, if if everyone can bring a little bit of what they can do in, into it, it would be uh, probably like more positive than uh, than negative. That's for sure. So let's go a little bit into the specific of uh, venture for climate tech initiative um, that mm -hmm. you part. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, uh, how the program works? Uh, what's the thesis behind it, and and what do you offer to uh, to founders during uh, the program? Yes, uh, let me just pull up the website. So uh, at the same time, um, uh, so it's forclimatetech.org. So first thing, it's a nonprofit. For Climate Tech is a nonprofit. Um, uh, it's not a venture fund. For uh, it works uh, in partnership with with funds that will invest in those companies one day. Uh, we're currently in our first session. So 2021 is the initial cohort, initial session. Um, and uh, this will conclude uh, from September to November uh, with an investor bootcamp and uh, somewhere in November, a demo day, an event, uh, a summit, a festival. We don't know yet <laughs> the shape, shape and form, but... Uh, What's, what's really cool is that uh, as investors, really often we meet with founders and entrepreneurs and they're not ready yet for investment. Mm -hmm. And there's not so many resources uh, for founders at this stage. So I'm, I'm, I'm really happy in this context. I was on the selection committee and it was the case of, great, you're not ready. We're here for you. <laughs> you're at the <laughs> right place at the right time. <laughs> Actually, if you were 
too ready, you, you passed uh, the, the program. And so the program is administrated by NextCorps and Techemuse um, uh, in New York State. Mm -hmm. And there's two parts to it. There's Venture for Climate Tech, which is idea stage startups. Yeah. And then there's Scale for Climate Tech, which is for later stage, more uh, post seed or around Series A to help you specifically with manufacturing uh, as hardware is often an important part of the, the mix uh, for climate. Um, so so the, the program has launched, uh, we have an initial cohort. It was pretty amazing to see, I think we got over 700 applications um, from all over the world. Uh, and we, it's, it's convenient to, to talk about climate as a sector, but as you were saying, really, we're talking about seven, eight, nine, and 12 different industries that we can put under that umbrella. Uh, so we got companies uh, from the full range of potential, um, and, and a lot of them with um, their main challenge, a little bit scientific and technology, but, but mostly that's, that's not the biggest issue. Like if, if they're at this point, a lot of them are researchers or working with research centers and they, they, the, the science is advanced enough that we can believe that it could become a commercial product mm -hmm. within a few years. And I think the whole question is the, in this expression within a few years, what's a few, is it, is it one or 15? <laughs> and, and so that's one of the, one thing that we're trying to do with, with these founders is to really understand where they're at, what, what's, the, what's the technology or science risk or, or de-risking that needs to happen. But then uh, what's the market discovery process? What's the market validation process for a company like this one? And oftentimes, uh, one of the additional challenge I would say in this sector, it's other sectors have it, but a lot of your customers are either public organizations, so city administration or state or, or country. Uh, they're hard customers to get. Uh, long sales cycles, not always clear the process to get there, or large companies. Uh, mm -hmm. And if you're a small startup, your ability to approach a large company is not always, um, it's not always that easy. So really helping them in this phase to, to and, and, and bring in partners, large companies, governments, organizations that can come and see what's upcoming in terms of innovation and then make these connections. And as I was saying earlier, it's really, uh, it's a people ecosystem. It's, it's putting people in touch. And sometimes uh, we've seen some companies uh, in the selection process where some of the judges were like, no, this is scientifically impossible. Like it looks like <laughs> a great idea, but, but if you know chemistry, this is impossible. And I was like, I'm, I'm, this is not my background. I'm a tech person. I was like, you're sure? Could we try it? Like, and they're like, no, no way. <laughs> Impossible. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's the laws of, of, of nature uh, can't be broken here. <laughs> uh, but, but what was, what was, what was interesting is that the approach then uh, from these founders, um, uh, I, I think, no, let, let's, let me restate that. I'll restate and restart that sentence. So I have a question, like when you select all of those, uh, those companies, um, 
what is the how do you measure the the, the impact do you guys have uh, any like specific process or framework or do you rely i mean you mentioned in your team that you have uh, some uh, some scientists as well that can uh, give uh, uh, this uh, scientific uh, validation regarding a, a process that uh, you might not know all uh, understand but uh, do you guys have any criteria in terms of you know co2 uh, removed yep. or avoided uh, how does it work or maybe social impact Yes, um, the challenge with startups at the earlier stage is that it's a promise of impact, right? So, so if you look at the public company and you look at their ESG report from last year, you can you could actually, if you would, if you wanted to go audit the data and and crunch the number and look at what methodology was used and and come to similar independent results that would say, okay, this is a good report. Actually, that this is a, a booming part of the industry because not all of these results are that credible. So, so greenwashing is a real thing. Uh, but, but for startups, it's a future impact that they're promising. So, so you have to combine if this product works and if they find their market and if, if they grow at the rate they want to grow and if the customers buy it, What's the impact? So you have it's it's essentially with startups. What you're doing is that you're you're building a model with key mm -hmm. assumptions, and then um, we're starting to see different methodologies out there. There's 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 a few one uh, one the, the impact management project uh, is a pretty common one now. It's, it's open source too, so it's it's a good reference. Um, so you have these methodologies out there, and you, there's also software. So for example, uh, Crane. Crane Tools is a software that you can use to calculate the impact, the environmental impact of your tech. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's this model, and then you have to plug in the underlying data. Because if you're building a bolt or, or a car in a specific part of the world, you also have to account for the full life cycle of what you're building. So, so it's a bit complex, but once you have the framework, the methodologies, and the reference data, then we can build uh, uh, a list of the two or three key assumptions of success of this company. So the same way we can mo model financial success, we can model all the extra financial uh, results. A, a little bit like uh, uh, B Corps or triple bottom line companies have different objectives. Yeah. It, it's the same way. And so, so there's different methodologies out there and there's actually companies working on, on there's, a few there's a bunch of software being developed to help you do that. It's a pretty hot category right now. And, and then you, you have to track these companies. So, so we do have a way to estimate and evaluate and, and, and say these are two or three key assumptions. But then you, the, the, the reality is that we're just starting with this cohort a few months ago. And then you have to track in time uh, to mm -hmm. see are we, are we on, on track for our environmental impact predictions or are we way off? And if we're way off, why <laughs> do we understand why? The same thing that, that as with finance, where are you off? Do you understand why? What can you change? And, and what are you learning? And I think, I think we're still in the learning phase. We're still in the discovery and validation phase for all these methodologies and impact because they, they, they have to be applied. So, so in theory, they work. 
in practice, this is, this is like software. You can think mm -hmm. about software. It's when you actually write code that you find bugs, right? So, so it's, <laughs> I, I think that's a stage we're at uh, in yeah. climate. We, we, there's a bunch of methodologies. There's not so much a good reference data yet. Uh, mm -hmm. We have some, but uh, there's still a lot of work to do to organize it. So for example, the, the satellite images uh, that you can get from NASA or from the European agency are pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. But working with that amount of data uh, is, is not that easy. So, so we, are, we have to build layers of the tech stack on top of it to allow new innovation and new mm -hmm. ideas and new product to be built. But, but it's out there. So, so we'll okay. get there, but there's probably another three to five years of, of development that needs to happen be before we're fully standardized and we have uh, all the references to say more precisely and to forecast more precisely the potential impact. You can, you can mm -hmm. do it. I'd say you could get a pretty good approximation today. This, this is how I would, I would, this is where we're at, I would say. So I think, I mean, thank you so much for sharing uh, all of this, uh, you know, very uh, uh, thoughtful and insightful uh, information. So would you think that there is like anything that uh, the audience, the community can, uh, can help you uh, today with what you do? Mm. Um, if, you're a, if you're a founder and you've been running a company, even for just a year or two or three or 10, but you don't have to wait 10 years to help other entrepreneurs. And I think this is, this is a recipe. This is pretty, this is really Californian. When I worked in San Francisco, people would, all, would always say, how can I help you? I, I think that that's a secret part of the success of Silicon Valley. Um, not so secret. Um, so, so as an entrepreneur, what you've learned in the last quarter, the last year, last two years can benefit other founders. So you're super busy. It's hard building a company, but keep some time to help the people who are just maybe one step behind you. Uh, that's super helpful and super beneficial. This is how you grow the maturity of an ecosystem. Mm -hmm. I think the second thing uh, and why I joined Second Muse is that the, we have one planet. Uh, and we have to work collectively. So, so we have to be, we have to learn to work together. Uh, there's tremendous profits to be made by solving this crisis, but it's not just about money. It's first about, it needs to benefit the people. So unjust economies will crash. So, so mm -hmm. there's an inequality problem in our society. Um, and it's, it's, it varies in the world, but, but seeing the world as one place and looking at what's happening outside of your own bucket, right? Uh, get out, well, I was saying, going to say get out of your city. Uh, it's still a little bit hard to do for a few months, but get, some, get more perspective. Talk to people outside of your inner circle, of your zone, of your region. Open your eyes. Uh, and I think that's the other thing. I, I wish that we will have one day actually working with this with the folks from Startup Genome and uh, an international network of uh, t climate entrepreneurs and climate angels. I, th I think this, this entrepreneurs who can also invest time and money to help others, uh, an international green angel network is something yeah. that we're missing. 
It doesn't exist. I've, I've been looking for it. If you're listening to the show and you're running one, let us know. <laughs> we'll help you. <laughs> but we need that. And, 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 and by international, I mean that angel money is essentially close to you geographically, typically. Mm-hmm. So, so it needs to be broad. So we need to have smart people working together across the world, which probably needs that we also need a network of funds. So, so I'd love to talk to other fund managers. It's hard to be an emerging fund manager. Um, let's work together. Let's open source more of our work. Let's share more of our learnings. Let's, let's uh, help each other. So the, the same advice I gave to founders, I'll give to fund managers. Uh, take some extra time to help the people who are coming right after you. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Um... For your time, uh, Sylvain, it was uh, very, very great to, to speak to uh, to speak with you. Uh, any question that I should have asked and I, I did not? Uh, is it time for you to go take care of your family? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. And I, I I'm start to receive some message. <laughs> I, I have four kids and uh, I love being a dad. And yeah. I think that the next generation, we, we, we owe it to them. Mm-hmm. to do a better job of managing this planet. <laughs> well, we're all working on it, but thank you so much. It was a, a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, and hopefully we can uh, be in touch again and, uh, and collaborate as you, uh, as you mentioned. I think uh, we're all uh, on it uh, together and, uh, and let's do it. Thank you so much, Yvonne.